As usual, I want to thank one of the sponsors who helped make this series and the podcast possible, Song Freedom. Now, I know the deal. You all have so many choices about where to pick your music, and no doubt you'll go on using those sources. But here's the thing. First, when you go to songfreedom.com radio to sign up for a new account, sure, you'll get a free standard go-level license worth $30, but you're also sending a message that you believe in what we're doing with this podcast, and in particular, this mini-series. Also... Practically speaking, if you want to use a mainstream song for one of your personal projects or a nonprofit film that you're working on or a wedding and personal event, Song Freedom is your best bet. And the rest of their songs are on par with all the other popular music licensing sites that are out there. So what have you got to lose? Once again, that's songfreedom.com slash radio. We thank Song Freedom for their support. All right, now on with the show. Six foot white guys, you're not the enemy. You're not, you know, you're not necessarily the problem. The only time you do become a problem is when someone gives you reams and reams of data, and then you'll find one line of that data and say, "Ah, oh, but look right here. Look at this. This discounts everything you just said. I just found a gotcha moment, and it was a, it was a moment where she probably just didn't speak well. And he even said that, and I felt like he felt a certain way about her, like she's not trying hard enough. And I just felt like, wow, that's I, I didn't, I didn't get, not for one iota. When I was watching your breaking the glass, that she didn't try hard enough. One of the things that I like about this show is the opportunity to engage with good friends and colleagues in the industry and touch on important topics that may be a little provocative. And nothing can be more inciting than a discussion about the obstacles in this business faced by women and minorities. Camps are formed. Sides are taken. You're either for one side or you're against it. You're either an ally or an enemy. And I can't say the tense election season we've had here in America hasn't somewhat contributed to that situation. And our Breaking the Glass film and podcast series has dived headfirst into the deep end of this controversial subject matter. Well, today we have part two of the now infamous Stand on a Chair episode, wherein FCPX Grill host Chris Finwick and I discussed, among other things, an excerpt from our Breaking the Glass film series, wherein a female assistant editor in Hollywood has shared stories of the challenges she's faced in her career. There was a part in that series where Christine, the editor in question, made this comment. Now, not to say that he won't help me, because then when I went back to my desk, because I've met people like this. I mean, I've been in the industry for, for 20 years. I said, I've got to get back to my seat. I've worked for him for two and a half years. I've got to work harder than I've ever worked before. So he wants to help me. And in seeing and hearing that comment when he watched the film, Chris said this to me on the aforementioned Stand on a Chair, Breaking the Glass podcast episode. But that statement sent up a gigantic red flag to me. And, that, and what that statement told me is that for the previous 20 years, she had not been working as hard as she could have been working. Because she knew that she had more to give and she was going to go back to her desk and she was going to give more. So maybe the reason she's an assistant editor and not an editor is that for the last 20 years, she's been pulling punches. Now, I was pleasantly surprised to hear on Chris's latest podcast episode of The Grill, the first after his self-imposed 14-month hiatus, 
Eddie actually referenced our discussion and reiterated this point in a conversation he had with We Make Movies co-founder Sam Essman. By the way, glad to have you back on The Grill, Chris. If those of you listening to this are FCPX editors or even contemplating becoming FCPX editors, Chris's podcast is a must-listen. Links are in the show notes. But getting back to the matter at hand, after recounting to Sam about the red flag he heard, Chris said this. And, and, and you should listen to it because it, it really was a good episode. Then he, he, he told me about this motivational speaker that he had heard of, that he had heard where the guy... You know, he's got a room full of people, and he says to everybody, he goes, you know, raise your hand as high as you can. And they raise their hand. And he says, now, I want you to, I want you to raise your hand even higher. And everybody, like, you know, stretches a little bit. And he, he kind of said the same thing. It's like, I, I just asked you to raise your hand as high as you can, and you didn't. Because when I asked you to go higher, you <laughs> did. And I said to Ron, I said, Ron, I would have stood on the chair. And in this business, if you want to get noticed and if you want to be, you know, have people remember you, you might have to stand on a chair. So now you know where that stand on the chair title came from. And Chris and I had a great discussion in that episode about that metaphor and the importance of not only working hard, but standing out. Then my buddy and good friend, Radio Film School regular and indie filmmaker JD, whom you heard at the very top of this episode, heard my full interview with Chris and had this reaction with respect to that stand on a chair story. A reaction which is, well, um, very JD. But it, like when I heard that story, I'm like, that's why I said I want to be the motherfucker that kicks the motherfucker off the chair who stand, <laughs> who's a jackass that stands up. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about that bullshit. Now, you may hear JD's comments and your reaction may be to laugh, to pump your fist in agreement, or totally disregard them. But whatever your initial reaction, I encourage you to put it in check for the next few minutes because I sincerely believe the things he has to share are perhaps the most important messages that will come out of the whole Breaking the Glass series. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School's miniseries, Breaking the Glass, stories about gender, race, and making it in the biz. So, the funny off-the-cuff comment J.D. made about kicking the chair over was during a Skype call I had made to him and his wife, Yolanda. The purpose of the call was to discuss a completely different episode of Breaking the Glass. But, as we're often wont to do, we started off on a completely different tangent. In this case, it was the topic of my interview with Chris. And for about 25 or 30 minutes or so, we talked about it. But J.D. really didn't want this to be his official response to what Chris had to say. He wanted to go back listen to the final episode again, and form a more cogent reply. But I actually found that much of what he said in this off-the-cuff interaction to be extremely compelling. And also, to be frank, a personal impromptu response oftentimes is imbued with more passion and is more engaging. So in part one of today's episode, you're going to hear just part of the discussion J.D. and I had shortly after he had heard Chris's interview. Then, in part two of today's episode, we'll hear my discussion with him after he had time to rework his thoughts and come up with a more reserved reply. But first, let's pick up with that first Skype call, where I attempt to make a case for why Chris might have had a red flag regarding Christine's comments. One thing to think about when we have the conversation is, as it does relate to Christine... Because Chris was making a commentary on whether or not she was doing all that she can do. It is fair to say, though, like within the context of even that episode, 
The other women in the room were at one point surprised that Christine didn't take certain actions that everyone expected or suspected she might take. And Christine herself. Very true. And, and Christine. But her, here, wait, let me finish. And Christine herself yep. I got had commentary. I got it. Said, you know, she wished she would have had more balls. So you had women in the room recognizing something and Christine herself recognizing something. So for Chris, who doesn't know her, to be making an observation that maybe she didn't do as much as she could have done when people within the own episode, including herself, even recognize that, I think is not giving you're, you're, you're conflating. Yeah, no. Yes, no. She, she did. She said that she thought she said she wished she had more balls about herself. She, but here's the thing, Ron. Yeah. This is where things get conflated. What was a red – he said – his thing is like, oh, a red flag popped up. I'm like, really? This is your red flag. She listed you a litany of other things. But I find it very interesting that he chose red flag that. I'm like, oh, okay, I see. So she's listed 20 other things, but this is the one that catches your attention. You're right. You're this right. This is the there. red flag. No, and no. on top of that – wait, hold on. And on top of that, it wasn't that the guy came – it wasn't her editor came up to her and said, you know what, Christine? You're not really performing up to the standard of everybody else. You're not really doing – You know, we're going to need you to perform better. And she was like – went back to her scene and said, oh, I got to remind myself to perform. No, you know what it was? She went to him and said, look, I know I'm doing as well as everybody else. Right. I know I'm a good editor and I need your help. I want to advance my career. And he turned around and said, you know what? I don't got time for you. I'm not right. really bothered with that. I can't be bothered with that right now. Then lo and behold, a week later, he's giving another motherfucker a young dude – that probably remind himself of himself when sure, he was 25. Sure. He said, oh, why don't you go on that retreat? Why don't you go on that spiritual business retreat? That would be <laughs> great for your career. But yet he couldn't have time for Christine. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. No, you're was, absolutely right. No, I, that, So that was a red flag for me on Chris. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, this he is the shit that you flag? This is what you flag? This is what we're talking about. <laughs> right. This is what we're talking about. It's like, wow, well, yeah. she'll give you a, a validation on all these, all these valid points. You're a right. list of no, that's and the one thing point. he picks up on, the one thing this dude picks up on is the thing that she's maybe she's not trying hard. And what that wasn't even accurate. He's conflating the issue. Like, like I can only imagine the ire and the consternation that Christine is going through, knowing that okay, now I'm now I'm killing myself at a job where I realize the people here have no interest whatsoever in caring about my well interest or what's going down. To me, her statement was more rooted in that, like I'm going to have to work harder than ever. It, not because she wasn't a good worker, not because she wasn't there uh, uh, like everybody else till midnight, not because she complained about it, not because she's missing her children's birthdays. I mean, we, Yolanda, I went to a party and she wasn't there because she, was, she, was she wasn't with her kids because she had to work and we were there with Mark. And wow, so it's like yeah. – so I'm just saying that, you know, and I, again, I know Chris didn't know that, but at the same time, it red flagged me that, wow, interesting that the, you know, the guy who, uh, that's the one thing he keyed in on was out of all the list of things he listed, that was his flag? Really? That was your flag? Well, that's a flag about you, homie. That's all. I'm picking up on a flag about him. Those are all like the points. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I know. I know they are. I know they are, Ron. I know. <laughs> And I'm not brilliant. I'm not a genius, but I know. I know. I'm not trying to say I'm Mr. Know-it-all or whatever, but I know. And yeah. that's, that's, my, that's where I'm coming from. It's like this is why we keep having this problem in this country and in the workplace is because people don't want to recognize shit. And then when they do recognize something, it's just more of like, oh, well, what about this? It's like, okay, you listed 100 things, but here's one you can't answer, and we can't actually answer that one. It's almost like, you know, he, it's almost like he's trying to flip the tables on her. And again, because I started thinking about it, let's just save it for another day because I, I want to – because there's uh, – believe me, there's more I want to talk about on this subject. But I, I know. Need, what you said was pretty good, man. I don't know. 
Uh, you want me to stop? I can stop. I mean, no, no, I, no. I, I, I want to go. I, mean, I want to go into the uh, Trump stuff, but I think yeah. everything you. I think it's fucking legit. When I heard you saying that, you giving the guy props. I'm like, I'm not, come on. I mean, I know he's your boy and no, everything. No, no, no. I was. I was I was giving was, him – And here's the other thing he said. He said, Ron, wow, I didn't even know you were there. You didn't have any pushback. I felt the same thing when you were talking to him. It's like, wow, Ron, you just going to let him run with this? No pushback? Cool. Okay. Well, because cool. one, I didn't, I didn't conflate him making the comment about standing on the chair. I didn't see that as a reflection on what he was saying about Christine. The way you did, like but I, I, I know, but I found that interesting that you didn't. I mean, you know, it's almost like because we were on a different topic. Asking. No, 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 but but Welcome was it to the one hour after you sent us the thing to listen to? <laughs> what did you say? What I said? Welcome to the one hour subsequent to us <laughs> right. sending this damn thing to us. Right. No, I'm I'm just saying the thing that, that catches my ire about it is because yeah. it's like if you replace Christine with the black guy, uh-huh. let's say it was you, Ron, sure. and you did the exact same thing. Yeah. You know how what of a hard worker you are That's or whatever. Right, right, you, right. you were in a thing and you went to someone and said, hey, hey, uh, uh, I, I need your help on this. I want to further my career. And I know I'm doing as well as everybody. And I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, and, and I know I'm ready to take that next step. Can you help me out? And the person says, no, I don't have any time for you. I'm sorry, you know. I need and I need you to put on your big boy pants and and be ready and not cry. When, you know, it's like when you start getting these comments, it's like what the fuck. And then and then not. And he doesn't. He has the perspective of a guy who has no family and no, you know, no. He has. He doesn't have the restrictions on. Well, his you're, life you're killing my lead. That's that's my that's fine. I told Yolanda this morning. I was listening to your your most recent podcast. Great job, by the way. And you had some excerpts from Chris on there, and he said, "You know, you're like you. You even mentioned to Chris, wow, how is it that you dropped you dropped your podcast? And I knew of Chris before all of this. I, I, his name preceded him. Like I, I've seen him on mailing lists and things. I knew he's like this aficionado. We, you had mentioned I should listen to his podcast, but I knew about him before you even mentioned him. Just me floating around the Final Cut world and and knowing about all the, 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 the uh, what's the guy, Larry? What's the what's the man's name, Larry? Um." No, Larry. What's the guy? The Final Cut guy, like kind of. Just, Larry Jordan. Larry Jordan. Thank you. I was going to say Larry Jones, but Larry Jordan. I, he's of that ilk, you know, like the the Chris Finwicks or Larry Jordan. I, I get it. I know who those those guys are. I've listened to them in the past, and and so I knew of this cat. But I found it very interesting that, like, at one point you asked him, "Why did you stop the podcast?" And he said, "Oh, well." Life happened. True love came in. And he and it was funny to me that, oh, now that you've got this significant other, true love came in and it changed your perspective on things. And I just found it interesting, like, you know, part of the problem that's been mentioned, you know, is like these, you know, people when they don't have families to take care of, when they don't have uh, certain responsibilities, it's very easy for them to lose track or not have an understanding about what's really going on. And I, it, it, trust me, dude, I, there's more I could say about his podcast and, and, or the discussion you guys had. That you know talks about him going in and getting his buddy a raise, or there's a whole different tangents. There's like five or six other points I can make or analyze about that discussion you had with him that really uh, I think would uh, uh, maybe he'd want to reconsider what he was saying, you know, or, or at least shed some more light on the whole idea where it's not just coming from one place. Well, I definitely want to have to follow up on this because uh, I think everything you said was uh, pretty. Uh yeah, like I said, I want to kick the motherfucking chair over. <laughs> okay. When we come back after the break, a slightly more reserved and mellow JD returns with my follow-up Skype call with him. Stay tuned.
I hope you guys had a chance to watch the Breaking the Glass film series. If so, you'll notice the opening credit sequence has a number of Super 8 stock clips. My goal creatively was the illicit imagery of an era when women were relegated to cooking and cleaning in high heels and pearls to contrast the machismo of men playing football against the dainty and delicate parade of debutantes, and in the closing credits, as well as the trailer for the series, I wanted to juxtapose a contemporary mailboxer jumping rope a la Rocky Balboa with a little girl from the 50s and a yellow dress jumping rope. All of these clips I found on videoblocks.com. It's probably obvious that the stock clips I've used as B-roll in the series are all from Videoblocks, with them being a sponsor and all. But man, if they don't work out just right. When you go to videobox.com slash RFS, you can sign up for a free 7-day trial, during which time you can download up to 20 free clips a day from their main library of over 115,000 clips. Use that same URL and you can sign up for their yearly subscription service for only $99. It's normally $79 a month. That means for a whole year, you can download as many clips as you like from their main library. We're talking HD and even 4K clips. Now, in addition to their main library, they have what they call the Marketplace, which is a library of over 1 million user-generated stock clips. All of that 8mm vintage footage I mentioned to you comes from that library. As a subscriber to the service, you can get all the clips from their Marketplace for $20 to $30 cheaper than the prices you pay on other stock sites. Now, I'm sure you probably have half a dozen video blocks promotional emails in your email box. I know, I'm just being real, I know they're out there. I see them too. So, let me appeal to you. Do me a favor and use our code to sign up for the trial. This serves a huge help for us. We don't get any extra money or anything when you do, but what it does is shows VideoBlox that their investment in breaking the glass and in the podcast was worth it. So remember, that's VideoBlox.com slash RFS. We thank VideoBlox for their support. Okay, so earlier you heard JD's initial response to Chris's comments about Christine. Now we transition to my follow-up call with him. You know, people who listen to your show know that I come on and I'm, you know, very high-strung and funny and say silly things and animated and, and whatnot. And, there, and there's some, you know, hopefully some some little tiny, tiny minuscule pearls of wisdom or, or just some logical sense I make half the time. Um, you know, and, and it was, I think... Uh, what I wanted to say was that I, you know, I wanted to add some, I, I guess, bring it down a little bit and add some seriousness. And you can use whatever I said before as well, but that was, you know, again, that was me heated in the moment, just you know, me acting typical JD crazy, but right. bringing it down a little bit, you know, more serious. And after listening to your podcast again, I, I, I had a bone to pick with you because of Go everything ahead. that I just, yeah, everything that it we, wouldn't that be I'm, the first I, time in the twenty right. some odd years. <laughs> right. Well, when I when I listened to it, I thought like. I thought that you kind of did your friend Chris a disservice or kind of set him up or, or, or didn't reel him in on that whole tra- – I mean I don't know if you should reel him in or whatever. Not, again, I know he's your guest, and I'm not trying to be Mr. Feisty or whatever. Right. You know, I, uh, but I felt like you kind of teed it up for him where you guys started riffing off of Christine. And mind you, I went back and looked at her at your, at your show, uh, uh, Breaking the Glass. She doesn't make that comment. Until 15 minutes, it, 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 literally the last minute of your show, she makes that comment. Oh, I, I you know, now if, if I could talk to a young Christine or if I was younger and can do it again, mm-hmm. I would be more certain. I would grow a pair of balls or whatever. Right. Every, I, I would assure you that Chris Fenwick, J.D. Cochran, Ron Dawson have things where they would have done better if they look back at it. Right. We're talking about she just gave a litany of 
examples for 15 minutes. 15, and they weren't just her. She, she recounted stories of other female editors. There are other women in the room recounting stories. And for her, and, and for you guys to, 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 to pick on the one last word, phrase that she says out of 15 minutes is mind-boggling to me. And you were the first one to, to, to pick it up in your podcast. So I went back and listened at your podcast. Let me, one, one thing I'll say is this. Chris came prepared. You know, or, or at least seemingly, you know, he sounded very official. He said, well, at minute 15, you know, at, at the time code 15, whatever. I'm like, oh, right. shit, this brother did his homework. He went back, got the time code, and, you know, he came prepared. It actually so helped went, me in the editing when I was editing. Yeah, I know. I know. So, okay, Chris is on his J-O-B. So right. then I went back, and I did a little time code research and did my facts. Right. I got a whole bunch of time code, brother, that it has a whole bunch of stuff not dealing with I should have bigger balls. It, there's – Example after example of Christine, of the other women that um, that illustrate the, the difficulties that they go through in being uh, women filmmakers in the Hollywood system. And, you know, I know you're, you know, breaking the glasses about that, like, you know, the, the differences between men and women and the struggles and right, right. Uh, things that they've accomplished and, and things that they have to fight against in that in their careers. And I was like, wow, Ron, that's kind of you're kind of like, you know, now you're punching back at the people or the ideas I thought you were trying to exemplify in, in the breaking the glass. I mean, this almost seemed like a contradictory. I'm like, I'm like cause even you, let me, let me find the, the time code. There's <laughs> Oh, and at, at time code five minutes and 47 seconds, Ron, you break <laughs> in to say, did you hear that? And, you know, it felt like she had, um, uh, to work harder than she ever did before. And you guys were, you know, teeing off on this. I didn't if, say that. Chris said that. No, no, no. You said, but did you hear that? There's a point in your, go back and listen. I will. I, I got your podcast right here. Matter of fact, hold on. Let me just, <laughs> I got my phone right here. You could probably hear this on the, on the podcast. Let me just bring it this up. This is very meta. Podcast. The podcast is on the podcast. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Cause I'm just saying, hold on one second. Give me, since you're going to edit this, hold on one second. I mean, I've been in the industry for, for 20 years. I worked for him for two and a half years. I've got to work harder than I've ever worked before. So he wants to help me. Did you hear that? Christine felt like she had to work even harder than ever in order to get her superior to want to help her. Did you hear that, Ron? You well, just said Christine had to work. I'm just saying you didn't. Right. You're right. You you're said, right. But, the, but the implication is that did you hear that, guys? Did you hear that, everybody? Christine felt like she had to work harder than ever. And I felt that felt that matched the narrative of what you wanted to say for standing on the chair. But I totally think that's not applicable to her situation. And actually, it's kind of disingenuous. I think more when I hear that story that Christine recounts of Stockholm Syndrome, where she's identifying with her captor because she's like, fuck, I've given <laughs> everything, and now I've got to even do more because these motherfuckers won't help me. Right. It's like, I, I don't, and she's pulling her hair out saying, I don't know what I can do. She's going to people saying, what am I doing? Well, I'm, I'm giving you 120%. Maybe I can shit out another 100, maybe another 2%, but my eyes are bugging out. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm missing life moments. I'm missing events. I'm missing birthdays. I'm missing, I'm, I'm away uh, from my family all the time. I'm giving it my all. And, and to me, when I hear her story and what she recounts, it's more like Stockholm Syndrome than someone who's kind of lazy or kind of, you know, just kind of going through the motions, sort of doing the work. No, 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 no. Christine's not just sort of doing her work. She's killing herself, busting her ass at a job that she's not being recognized at. And she, and she has examples of looking at other people that are doing the same as she's doing, but they're not, they're not penalized or they're not held back the way that she is. Right. And those people are, you know, she recounted the story of a young guy. I, I, I understand that the purpose of standing on the chair, I think there's a lot of valuable things that you and Chris, 
Chris said to be gleaned, but I just took exception with everything that was brought up in regards to Christine because it had no bearing on what really went down. And to take that little snippet of her saying that, it's like, okay, well, that's completely out of context of the other 15 minutes of story after story after story. And I could go through a litany of them. I have to let me open up pages. I had to switch computers and I wrote everything down on my other computer. I should have used Google Docs, man. I know. I know. (laughs) Akuna. What is it? Akuna Matata. What's the other one? (laughs) Akana. Oh, Asana. Asana, whatever the hell it is. Right. Um, For those listening, uh, JD and I have this ongoing tet-a-tet about uh, the technology uh, resources that I use for the podcast. There's Skype, there's Uber Conference, there's Asana, there's Google Docs, there's Pages, there's Word. There's a, how many of these damn things do I got to upload to fucking work? There's Wixter, there's Whipster, or Whipster, and and what's the other one? The Frame IQ and all. I'm like, really? I got to have 15 things to do the same thing, dude? Do you use a hammer to do all of your building a house? Come yeah. on, I use a hammer when I hammer a nail. I don't use a hammer, a screwdriver, a saw to hammer a dude, nail. Dude, but but if you're, I just b- use the hammer. Right, and so when we need a hammer yeah, or a nail, right. we use I, a hammer. Right. right, exactly. But sometimes so need we need Uber a screw or screw. I don't need Sana. I don't need uh, Uber, uh, a Google conference. <laughs> I don't need calendar and Uber uh, Google calendars. And I mean, it's just uh, anyway. Did you find the clips? If you had used some of these other tools, you probably would have found it by now. That's the only reason I have to argue you while I'm getting my damn. <laughs> JD finally found all the excerpts from the video episode he was looking for. Because all this stuff builds a huge, compelling argument for 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Did I mention it was 15 minutes? Right. Before Chris gets to the one thing that brought up a red flag to him. So uh, right off the bat, you know, Nichelle talks about, you know, she has this, you know, she's short, black, and female. So she already knows going into the game that she has that that just inherent in our culture – People are going to look at her a different way. Now, she's not saying, you know, woe is me or whatever, but she goes into every meeting or every room knowing that and, and knowing that she has to elevate her game to let people know she's worthy of being there. And I, and even for white guys, you know, big, tall white guys, it's still a very hard industry. And it's not like they just get to walk in and skate in, you know, sucking on a lollipop and everything's handed to them and lolly, you know, lolly dee, lolly day, everything's fine and dandy. It's hard for them too. But, you, but that doesn't negate that <clears> – <throat> You know, everything being equal, it's hard for everybody. But then you add on these other little extra things that make it a little bit harder in unique ways for certain folks. True. Just like it might be harder for someone who's in a wheelchair. At one point, Chris said, oh, I know I'm the enemy. I'm the big six foot. Why are you the enemy? No one's no one. You know, you could come to this as a friend or an ally. You don't have to be the enemy. No one's saying that you, Chris, are the problem. You know, maybe he is. I don't know. I'm not saying he is or isn't. But you don't have. But but to me, that's a red flag. When you come in saying, oh, I'm the enemy, you don't have to be. I mean, you're not responsible for what does or doesn't happen to people per se. You particularly Chris Fenwick. But, you know, but to turn your back or, or to question the women, you know, uh, about the, these examples they're giving you, these truthful example, like life experiences, you know, that's kind of that's kind of janky. Let me quickly interject here. To be fair to Chris, I think what he was doing was just acknowledging that other people who would be listening to him comment on Christine's predicament might look at him as the quote-unquote enemy. In essence, he was acknowledging that he knows he's a six-foot, one-inch white man telling this woman what her problem is. I don't think he was actually saying that he thinks of himself as the enemy. 
But to JD's point, there is something to be said about recognizing your power as a six foot one inch white guy to make a change. And part of that starts with really hearing and understanding what others are saying. And I think that's the whole crux of JD's point. That after 15 minutes of Christine and the other women giving example after example of how their gender was hindering them in the business, the comment that both Chris and myself zeroed in on was her comment about going back and working even harder than she ever had. It's not that she wasn't already working hard, it's that Stockholm Syndrome effect that JD was referencing, which I think is actually a pretty deep analogy that bears serious consideration. Anyway, let's go back to the conversation. But I would say this. I'm not even advocating that Chris stand up and wave a flag and be all for women's rights. That's not his job. I mean, it, it would right. be great if he was helpful in that respect, but at least don't discount what women are saying. I mean, that's where I really take the umbrage with it. It's like he almost discredited everything she was saying. And again, I, I kind of, I, you know, I went back and listened. I said, well, let me let me cut him a little slack because it's like I think you guys were really about talk the, the course of the discussion was really about standing on the chair which right. i don't want to detract from saying yeah that is important i understand that and i think that's where uh, essentially he was kind of coming from but he did it by by discrediting or disregarding all the stuff that christine and the women had said before and it's like you don't have to do that you can be an ally you don't have to be the enemy you could be a six foot one white guy ally jd goes on to give a few more examples like the aforementioned post-production supervisor that wouldn't make time for her, but did make time for a young man. How she never takes time off. How when she stood up to the studio who was trying to cut her pay, her supervisor took her aside in another room and said, Why do you even care about this big anyway? Isn't your husband taking care of your family? Keep in mind, at the time, Christine was the primary wage earner while her husband, a writer, worked from home and took care of their four kids. I think, bottom line, this wasn't an issue of Christine not working as hard as she could. It was a real, systematic gender bias from her supervisors and colleagues. But there was one other point JD felt was important to bring up. It was regarding a story Chris told in the Stand on the Chair episode, where he walked out on a job after demanding a raise. The point of the story was to illustrate the importance of knowing your worth, and actually being so good in your job that you could even do something like that. JD was actually impressed. But, as you might expect, he has some reservations about its applicability to Christine's situation. Taking Christine out of the equation, there are some things that, you know, Chris brought up that I thought were badass. I mean, how badass, you know, to go in and just tell, hey, let me tell you something, buddy. I need a raise. And if it doesn't happen, I'm not coming back in. Until it happens, no, no. Until it happens, I'm not coming back in here. And then he, and he didn't come back in, true to his word. And then everything fell apart. And then and he said he sat at home and watched the show that aired live or whatever fall apart. And then sure enough, the next day they were on the horn getting back to Chris. Hey, well, come on in. And, you know, and they're and they're and, and he and, and they and they were so afraid of him by that point because he was so dope at what he did, they was able to get his buddy a job. That's badass. Right. And, I, and I think it's a great story. And it's a great story about, you know, knowing your self-worth and knowing that you can walk. But again, that's what we're talking about. Indie contractors, you know, editors that are not working in the Hollywood system where you're going to when you're in the Hollywood system, everybody's working on Avid or Final Cut. Or uh, uh, let me just boil down to Christine's situation. I know that there are other tools. Final Cut is works on some shows, premieres uh, used to cut certain shows. But for a majority of Hollywood films, Avid is the number one. Mm -hmm. And that's what Christine is 
grown up in for the past 20 years. It's, 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 it's been the flag, uh, flagship editing tool that most studios use. I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that. And you're not – you – I don't care who you are. Chris Fenwick, whoever, if you were uh, trying to be an assistant editor working on a Hollywood show, I don't care how dope you are working on Avid. You're not going to have the – because of the, the – the, there's just a lot of menial tasks that have to get done in getting a, a, a huge production completed. And all the little ins and outs, whatever, can definitely be helpful. But at a certain point, none of that matters. They just need you to do X, Y, and Z and do it efficiently and know your place and know your job. And that's the way it works in that industry. I want to state that I'm not like, you know, oh, I hate Chris. He, he, how dare he say it or whatever. I get it, man. You guys are talking about standing on the chair and trying to uh, elevate people. And, and, and a lot of indie contractors are going to be in a situation where, wow, how do I get my business out there? How do I get noticed? And this is a very important discussion to have. Then stand on the chair. But I think for the example you gave in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you get noticed? There is a lesson to be learned there. you got to think out of the box and go beyond the pale in a lot of ways. You can't be afraid to do that. I get that example. But when you're comparing it with Christine, <clears throat> which he, she did get compared at that moment, mm-hmm. it's like to me that's not fair. That's, you're not talking about it, – it's, it's, you're comparing apples to Porsches. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? It, you're, you're comparing apples to equations. It, 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 you're not even talking about the same things. So that you know, and that's where I have my umbrage, and I went on my, I, you know, my my tantrum and my, you know, my crazy rant, which I'm prone to do. <laughs> <clears throat> but for the for, for the basis of this discussion, again, I don't want to come off all crazy and just wilding out on Chris because I think you guys had some really good discussion about thinking outside the box and you know trying to get that edge over your competition and getting noticed. And I think that's a very important discussion to have and everything you guys spoke to in terms of that i was i was dead on it just felt like every example they used he used and you used of christine i'm like ron rewind the tape that that was not clearly what was on there and and we can i mean you know hell you know i went down and sat i had to go back and listen to it like am i not getting it right am i listening to something that am i not hearing maybe there's stuff i didn't hear whatever and when I go back and listen to Christine's story, it makes me even more infuriated or mad. Because I think beyond, you know, to get away from Chris Fenwick, I just think that it illustrates a, a systemic problem in our culture. And in, in, and in the workplace, where, where you see it time and time again in politics, in the workforce, whatever, where you can get examples of things. You get, you know, 20 examples of something and then someone finds one that contradicts or is not 100% with those other examples. Aha. See, look, did you hear that? Did you if you listen closely, you can hear this. This aha gotcha moment. It's like, okay, but you're not listening to all the other things that more than outweigh and tip the scale in the favor of what we're really talking about. Not this silly aha gotcha moment that tries to negate all the valuable information, facts and data that we've just presented to you of why there's systemic sexism in the industry and that's kind of like what i you know and that, that's what i when i when i heard you and him say ah did you hear that those are the things that you know that those that, that, that's when my red flag went off and again i almost feel weird about it because i shouldn't be the one arguing about it i'm, I'm some dude you know i'm you know i'm not i'm not you know again like i know you've talked to yolanda recently and you said you're um breaking the glass show no one's watching it you know and there's not and i'm like really that to me it was like kind of disheartening because i'm imagining you have i'd be curious to know how many female 
listeners you have to your show, your podcast. And it, it, I was kind of surprised at how many people had, you know, like you're saying, you're not really getting that much traction. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Because it's, really, it's a really good film series. And it's kind of disheartening. And again, I feel like I'm going to speak and say what I, you know, get my my piece off my chest. You know, but I'm, I'm a guy and I, I and I also feel in a lot of ways, I, I suspect Chris feels this way. That, you know, we shouldn't be the one, you know, help where we can and listen to the people when they're saying, hey, there's a problem here. But I don't want to be leading the charge. You know, I'm not leading the charge for suffrage or, you know, or whatever cause. I and mean, the suffrage is over. But I'm just saying, you know, whatever woman's issue, I'm there to support it 110. You know, I try to support my wife in all her endeavors working in the business. But I feel uncomfortable leading the charge. I don't know that I'm the one qualified to do it. But I'm more than happy to help out where I can. And so in this instance, I'm, you know, when I listen to this podcast, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, let's 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 recalibrate it here. So when people are, you know, talking about a discussion about standing on a chair and thinking outside the box and pushing ourselves, pushing themselves in a way that allows them to be recognized over the competition. Let's not couch that discussion in the examples that Christine, Nichelle, Yolanda, Dana, Talisha were giving you about the problems they face with sexism in the industry. One of the things that I appreciate about JD is his passion and his I don't give a frack attitude. To my shame, a lot of the points he mentioned absolutely did not occur to me at the time I spoke with Chris. I think this is one of those situations where you can take away from my conversation with Chris whatever resonates with you. Without a doubt, if you're an artist looking to make a living in this business, you absolutely got to stand on that proverbial chair. You have to stand up. In fact, one could argue that if you had a choice between doing excellent work and work that is good enough but clearly sets you apart, it's better to be different and set yourself apart. On the other hand, it's important to open your eyes to what's really going on around you and in this industry. Be aware of what privileges you may have, and if able, absolutely use them to your advantage. And if you can, like Chris did, use them to help others. But be open to the fact that not everyone may have the same privileges that you have. I have to admit that one of the lessons that I've been learning over the nearly three months that we've been airing the podcast miniseries is that even I'm blind to certain privileges that I have as a man, despite even being a black man. My sincerest thanks to both JD and Chris for sharing their thoughts and feelings and contributing to this most important conversation. But I'd love to hear from you. What do you think? Is there some truth to what Chris said about why Christine might not have excelled as far as she'd like? Or is there enough evidence, as stated by JD, that there were gender politics and biases working against her over which she had no control? Do you have your own similar story you'd like to share? Feel free to send me a voice memo to radiofilmschool at daredreamer.fm or email me your story to that email address. We just might use it on the show. Breaking the Glass is a Radio Film School miniseries and a production of Dare Dreamer FM. Production help from Chris Huslidge, Yolanda Cochran, and J.D. Cochran. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. And speaking of music, Song Freedom has a huge library of songs from every genre. And they're your best source to license music from mainstream artists like the Lumineers and One Republic, or classic tunes from the likes of Sinatra, Marvin Gaye, and The Temptations. 
Go to songfreedom.com slash radio and sign up for a new account and you'll get a free standard license worth $30. That's songfreedom.com slash radio. We thank Song Freedom again for their support. A great way that you can support the show is by subscribing in iTunes and leaving a rating and review there, or whichever podcatcher you use. But when you subscribe in iTunes, that actually helps us get found in the iTunes store directory, which could be a huge help for the show. So subscribe in iTunes, leave a rating and review. You can follow me on Twitter at FM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. And if you like this episode, share it on Twitter or email it to a friend you know needs to hear this important message. And before we go, I just want to leave you with this quote by author Toni Morrison. This is precisely the time when artists go to work. There is no time for despair, no place for self-pity, no need for silence, no room for fear. We speak, we write, we do language. That is how civilizations heal. That's it. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another Breaking the Glass episode in two weeks. And for the next episode of Radio Film School Short Ends, look for the next installment of our Superheroes in Cinema series. It's going to be really cool. Thanks for listening. See you next time. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Oh.